Hello, friends. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> obviously, if you are watching this at all, you can obviously see that we are uh, getting ready for Christmas today in our household. Um, yes, the kids have been asking for literally a month uh, to set up the Christmas tree. And with Thanksgiving passing yesterday, <laughs> we told them, yes, we can finally set up the Christmas tree. Today was the promised day. And, um, and so we are all Christmas out to, um, it's kind of part of our family tradition is we, we have, everybody gets a hat and like, oh, the, yeah, the, like it's a mirror. One. So it's backwards. <laughs> um, and everyone has a Christmas hat and we put on our fun outfits or little Christmas outfits. I think when I walked down the stairs though, all the cats came running. They thought that it was going to be a toy and it was just me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So that's what we did today. We put up our Christmas tree. Yep. But today we are really excited to be talking about the goal of marriage. The and goal of marriage. That's Nathaniel right. will probably do most of the talking today, but I'll jump in with questions yeah. and comments here and there to kind of help direct conversation and whatnot. So anyway, we hope you guys all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining us again. And we do invite you guys to pop on with questions or comments or yes topics that you'd like us to cover, whatever. And you can catch us on our Facebook pages, or you can also catch us on YouTube or on our website at thehomemadefamily.com or insightnow.co. Yep. With that, we that it. So this is the talk that I give every single couple that I do premarital counseling with. Which is a lot of couples. Which is a fair bit <laughs> number of couples. This is the very first thing that I ever talk to them about. Um, and... It, I mean, I, I always ask them kind of their story. I want to know what brings us together that day. Um, you know, all, all uh, Princess Bride jokes included in there. It's like marriage is what brings us together today. Right, right. So, um, but, um, but really, I want to know their story. And then, um, because there's so many reasons that people have for getting married, and, and I love hearing people's stories, their engagement stories, their how they met stories, why they started dating, what they see in each other, what they love about each other, all of those things. I love seeing their eyes lighten up and, and all of those wonderful, wonderful things about how this is the person they want to spend the rest of their days with. And, um, and those are all really, really good things. And, and I always encourage couples to keep those things stirred up um, because the, the those are life-giving in our relationships, but none of them actually define the goal of marriage. And, um, and it's important to have a goal for the important things that we do. It's important for us to have somewhere that we're trying to, to go with this thing that keeps um, the, the two of us, right, on the same path, um, just heading the same direction that it, it, it just does so much to clear up miscommunications and uh, all sorts of things if we just have a goal. And so the question is, what is the goal of marriage? Um, tell us, Nathaniel, what is the goal of marriage? <laughs> I will tell you. Um, so anytime you want to understand the purpose of anything, a good person to ask is the person who designed it. <laughs> and the person who designed marriage is God, right? God is the one who designed the, the uh, he, who, he's the one who designed men and women. He's the one who designed marriage. 
And he's, in fact, the fir- the one who officiated the first marriage ever. And if you go to when that happened in Genesis chapter two, um, God had uh, brought before Adam all the creatures of the earth um, and he had named them all and none among them uh, were found to be a, a suitable helper. And we can get into what that means. Um, suitable helper literally means a, a, an equal opposing strength, like two sides of an archway that lean against each other with equal strength that causes the structure to hold up. Um, and, uh, and there's all kinds of beautiful language in there. Um, it, just one other, one, the only other thing that I will say about it is that um, the helper that it talks about for, uh, for women being to men, um, that word is the word azer in Hebrew. And the only other person that is given that, that uh, level of help uh, applied to them. Ah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> maybe pulled up the live stream so she can share it and just track comments and things like that. But the volume was really high. So anyway, sorry if you heard that. Um, but the, uh, um, so the word, the Hebrew word azer, it is only used to describe two people in the Bible, women and God. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. That's the same help that women are to men. And um, and so th- this is this is my God-sized help <laughs> given to me by the Lord. Um, and boy, do I need it. Um, I think all the husbands out there are probably like saying amen, amen right? <laughs> so anyway, this is all just, this is talking about how amazing women are. Um but getting back to talking about oneness, um, this is this. I'm going through the story of God creating Adam, creating Adam and Eve, and He brings ultimately He brings them together. And Adam takes one look at at Eve and says, uh, "This is woman, for she was taken out of man. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh." And God, it's like God interrupts him in that moment and says, "For this reason." A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife or cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And and um, and so Adam is noticing we were one. We need to be one. And God says yes, and you need to become one again. And um, and so that is the purpose statement. The ultimate goal of marriage is oneness. And, uh, and this isn't just an Old Testament thing. Um, Paul actually reiterates this in Ephesians chapter 5. I encourage you to go check it out. It's one of the classic chapters on marriage. Um, but in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Paul says that this is something that we need to be going after, that, that, man was, was cre- that marriage was created for oneness, and that the reason isn't just for oneness all unto itself, but that marriage and the oneness in marriage is actually the one and only the singular prophetic picture that God gave humankind to to, to give us any understanding of the relationship that God wants to have with his church. And so literally your marriage has the, the, the potential power of, of revealing to the world around you the relationship that God wants to have with them. And, um, and, and so that is a huge motivation for having an awesome marriage, um, in which the goal is oneness. Yep. 
So any, any thoughts, questions you want to <laughs> interrupt me or anything like that at this point? No, I just think that, you know, I know a lot of people are like, this is goals for my relationships is to have this wonderful marriage and um, to let that be a witness and a testimony to everybody. But then it's like, okay, well, what are some of the tips and tricks then for creating that oneness in marriage? And yes. so that is where we're headed. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed is some tips and tricks for how to build this oneness. Um, so I, I want to say first, but my ears are cold. I need to <laughs> keep them covered with this fluffy hat. Um, <laughs> I want to say first, once you have this as your mindset about your marriage, that the goal of your marriage is oneness. First of all, it'll change the way you date if you know that this is the goal of marriage. Because you're not just looking for somebody that you think is attractive. You're not just looking for somebody that um, you think you could tolerate for the rest of your life. You're not just looking for somebody you think is nice. You know, like you're not just looking for somebody who makes the butterflies go in your stomach, you know, or, or any of those kinds of things. Like you're looking for somebody that you want to join your life to. Like really and truly you want to give yourself entirely to. And, um, and, and not just you know, being, uh, you know, young and <laughs> hormonal and you want to like, you know, be physically giving yourself to them. I, I, but, but truly heart and soul, you want to give yourself entirely to them, um, and go through all of the, the, the steps it takes, the work it takes to, to maintain that over the years. Um, but then it'll also affect, like, if you're already in your marriage, this is going to affect your communication, the way that you communicate with your spouse. This will affect um, how, specifically how you argue, how you fight with your spouse. It'll change the way you do that. Um, it'll uh, affect the way that you forgive. It'll affect your sex life, your intimacy. It'll affect the boundaries you keep in your parenting and your other relationships. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm just checking my notes to make sure I don't forget something. It'll act. It'll it continually give your marriage purpose. Um, so if you ever hit some doldrums, which every relationship does, literally every relationship, it'll hit some doldrums at some point in time. Um, but if you remember that oneness is your goal, you always have a destination you're working towards. So it automatically gives you purpose. Um, I think that's a really good thing because um, first of all, we've done a lot of premarital counseling with a lot mm -hmm. of couples and, you know, even having been through our first year of marriage, a lot of the first year of marriage can be really bumpy and yeah. rocky because you are trying to take these two separate lives and blend them together and trying to make, you know, and, and it's like we, we're fighting over all these little things. Like we actually got in a big fight over knives and whether we wanted a block with knives in them on the counter or knives in a drawer. It's silly now, but you know, people or fight about the, those. what thread count we wanted our sheets to be. <laughs> or which way you hang the toilet paper or whose toothpaste are you going to use? Anyway, so there's a lot of these things that come up, especially in the first year of marriage. But then after you've been married for lots of years, you know, it's like you lose the butterflies and the, the you know, a lot of that lovey-dovey kind of stuff sometimes. And it's like, how do you keep yourself strong in love with each other when you come to those places of lull, when love becomes a choice instead of love being just the happy butterflies and the hormones that are driving you forward. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, oh, go go ahead. Ahead. No. Mm -hmm. so 
I, I want to talk first about how do we actually pursue oneness? And then um, I want to go into some of those individual categories, which all of those are categories that we'll touch on more in depth in other days. But I just kind of want to try to see how far we can get through some of those categories and and just describe how does the pursuit of oneness in, in our marriages change the way we handle those kinds of situations. Okay. So, um, so the first thing that I want to teach you about the pursuit of oneness is, uh, is just something that, that we learned from some marriage mentors of ours, uh, called the law of pursuit. The law of pursuit says that whatever you pursue, you will gain a passion for. Um, it, a lot of times we think that it's the other way around that we pursue things we are already passionate about, but it's actually the other, it, it actually is the other way around. We pursue things and then we become passionate about them. And, um, and, uh, and so, you know, in relationships, we think, well, you just are so lovey to me. That's why I love you back. Like you were kind to me and, and you make me feel this way. And therefore, if I stop feeling this way, it's on you, not on me. But if if the law of pursuit is true, then it's actually my responsibility to pursue you if I start feeling, well, at all times anyway, but especially if I start feeling the lovey-dovey and the affection and the, the passion, the zeal, the fire, the, the ooey-gooey's of the relationship. If I feel those things start to wane, then it actually is a sign that I need to in more intentionally pursue you. And some just some evidence of this being a true thing, like check any sports team that they have no idea that any of their individual sports fans exist, except for maybe the most, the most rabid and the most passionate who are at every game and by everything. And I mean, like, yeah, maybe they understand that those extreme zealous fans exist. Um, like they know, they maybe know their name and things like that, but the average fan, the, the team has no idea that they exist. They know the demographic is there, but not the individual. And, um, and so, and yet any of those fans could be, they're spending hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands of dollars to support this sports team. They're following along. They're watching every game. They're reading the, 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 the reports on stuff and, and they would say, well, I do those things because I care so much about my team. And it's actually the other way around. If you could get that person to stop following the team so closely, to stop watching the games, stop buying the stuff, stop reading the sports stories, then you would find their their passion for the team over time would actually decrease as well. Um, there's other other examples, but I'd, I'd like to move on and do some other things. Um, so the law of pursuit is a huge way to pursue oneness. Um, there was another one I was, what's the other thing that we often, the law of pursuit and the- First fruits. First fruits, that's it. Um, so first fruits is a super powerful uh, tool that you guys can use in your relationships. This is another one we learned from our marriage mentors. Um, but uh, the law of first fruits indicates that whatever you, whatever experience you go through, the first person you share that with will gain, will receive from you. Like you will have the most emotion in sharing about that experience you had the first time that you share it. And so if I go have a meeting with somebody 
um, I make sure that Amy is the first one I talk to about it or something happens in my day, or I'm having some time with the Lord and God talks to me about something. I make sure Amy's the first one I talk to about it because then she gets the most intense of my emotions, the joy, the excitement, the whatever it is, could be negative stuff. Like the meeting really didn't go well. <laughs> um, but it's still um, because she get because she is the first one I give those things to, it draws my heart more towards her than towards the other people. Mm -hmm. That if you find that you are, um, you know, sharing with a, a, another person, a best friend, um, or more, your office coworker, or your office coworker, <laughs> or whoever it is, you're sharing with them more often than you do with your spouse. You're going to find your heart drawn more, in, increasingly more and more towards that person instead of your spouse. Mm -hmm. And, um, and obviously that, that eventually can be a very dangerous place to be. Yeah. Um, so law of pursuit, law of first fruits, these two things work powerfully and they're so simple. Put them into practice in your marriage. You're going to see a difference very quickly within a month. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, it, I just want to go back into some of the, those categories and just really quickly, like how does um, pursuing how does pursuing oneness look in. look in your communication? Well, how about I start with how it looks, start, it, it actually looks like in how you fight. So if my goal, my goal in any fight is that at the end of the fight, we are connected. We are better connected at the end of the fight than we are at the beginning of it. How does that change completely transform the way that you fight, the way that you have an argument? Um, well, obviously it's going to, because my goal isn't to be right. My goal isn't to vindicate myself. My goal isn't to satisfy my emotional drive that you hurt me. So I'm going to hurt back. I'm going to get revenge. Um, I can't do those things because I know if I hurt you, and you and we just get in this cycle of I hurt you, you hurt me, I hurt you, you hurt me until we both just shut down. There is zero oneness, zero connection in that place. But if my goal is oneness, that we are better connected at the end of this, then I'm going to slow down my communication in a fight to only talk about the things that I see hindering and getting in the way of us being on the same page so that we can actually move forward in oneness where I feel there's a misunderstanding. I'm not going to start, come out and start accusing and being like you always, and this is just, and you're the problem. And I'm going to try to slow down, figure out how can I say this in a way that expresses what I have a problem with, but gives Amy an opportunity to respond in, in, kindly in a way that shows she cares in a way that she shows she's listening and all of those, like, I'll offer it to her and I'll say, hey, please see this. And then she says, oh, I care about you. I care about our oneness. I want to see this and I want to hear you. You know what? We rarely have a fight anymore. <laughs> Still happens sometimes, but rarely because we can have those those emotionally heavy conversations and because we've 
built so much trust in being safe by making this choice so many times over the years that yes, you can say emotionally scary things to me and I will protect you in that. Even if it hurts to hear some of those things, even if it stings, I'll still protect you because I guard our oneness. Yeah, I think sometimes, especially in those fights, one of the things that we've done really well is usually not in the middle of the fight, but <laughs> afterwards we'll say, okay, here's how we could communicate that differently in a way that would not make me respond so strongly in opposition. And so over the years, we've just had the conversations like, hey, if if you see this in me or you see this happening, then it's good if you would approach me this way. And yeah. then and then we work to do that with each other. Um, there was something else I was going to say in that, too. Well, being the safe place also like, yeah, it's almost like you just have to learn to to hold it and wait and listen, because I have to trust that his heart for me is is good and right. Like he's not bringing things up because he doesn't like me or we have a problem or something like that. It's just that there's growth areas in our lives. And there have been times like where I'll come and I'll complain about something or want to talk about something. And if he responds, not the best way to that, then I'll be like, wow, well, you weren't, that wasn't safe for me to talk to you about, you know? Um, so um, or him with me. And he's like, hey, I brought this to you in kind of vulnerability, but you weren't safe for me to talk to. And it's like, oh, yeah. Um, so then we have to go back and apologize and forgive and all right. of that um, and then learn better for the next time. So it's like when somebody's bringing something to slow the RPMs down, like don't yeah. go with the first reaction, just ask the questions internally. Okay. Like, what, what am I doing? What is the goal? What is he really saying? How do we really get through this in a way that causes us to be stronger at the end and not weaker? And that's the other thing too about conflict is it actually can bring you a lot closer and yes. make you stronger yes, yes. than you were before the conflict. Right. Because here's the thing about, in, about um, intimacy and oneness is it's going to force you to, to not hide the things that you'd like to hide. And it's going to force you eventually to see things that you didn't see before. Um, because as you draw closer, you're going to eventually bump into something that you're like, Ooh, I'd rather hold on to this. This is uncomfortable to let go. This is uncomfortable to let this person see. I'm afraid if this person sees this, then they're going to judge me, reject me, think less of me, love me less, whatever. We have these fears, right? And, but but this is what we can do in a relationship over time is we can build trust that we're safe, that I'm going to be here. I'm not going to reject you. And, um, and, and I'll get to something here in a second that this actually um, takes our warts and our issues and causes those to become a strength that bonds us together in our relationship. Um, and so Oh, there's so much I want to say. I wish I could just like fire hose this out. Um, but so we, we come through this process. So let's say, um, you know, let's say, hey, I'm, I'm finding that um, this kind of situation comes up and I overreact every time. Okay, 
Well, instead of blaming that on Amy, which this exact thing happened in the very beginning, first year of our marriage, um, knowing that the goal was oneness, it meant that I had to look at myself, go before the Lord and ask if, do we have our comments up? Mm-hmm. Do we have? Oh, I guess I don't know. Are we not on that same page? Oh, we don't have any comments. All right. Well, <laughs> just checking. Comment if you have stuff. Um, but um, it forced me to go before the Lord and just say, you know what, Lord, what is this going on in me? I see that I keep overreacting and I know that that's not okay. I'm hurting our oneness. What do I need to do about it? And the Lord was able to walk me through some stuff I needed some emotional healing on. And all of a sudden, both of us got free. I got free internally. Amy got free because I stopped overreacting. Um, but there have been so many things, so many other things in that process. And now it's come to the place where if one of us is going to be saying something that is vulnerable for us, we'll usually, especially me, um, <laughs> we'll actually preface it and say, I'm going to say something to you that is really vulnerable for me. So <laughs> thanks, George. Amy, I'll pull this up. George is saying, no comment, just listening. God is good. Yay. Thank you for listening. Um, I'll actually say, hey, what I'm about to share is really vulnerable for me. So just please treat it tenderly. And um, and then she knows to it, it just, it, you know, like we, we joke around a lot in our home and in our relationship and things like that. And if you're somebody's sharing something vulnerably, somebody can make a joke and they don't mean anything bad by it. It's just our normal communication, but they didn't know it was a really bad time. And all of a sudden somebody's hurt and now they're offended and the defenses start going up and it, you can end up in a fight when it, it just, you know, anyway. So all of this pursuing oneness, but here's where I want to go with this. Um, I want to, I want to try to cover just, well, I'm only going to have time for one more topic. We'll just have to talk about this another day. Um, I want to talk about that this this goal will help you always know what love looks like because there are so many times in a relationship where something comes up and it's usually an emotional thing where it's like, "Mm, how do I respond to this? I'd like to respond this way. My emotions are telling me to do this, but what would love look like? What's going to build oneness at the end of the day? And, and so if, if, you know, hey, I'm married to this person. I should love them. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> what does that look like? You know, and and a lot of times, I'll be honest, people don't have any clue what genuine love looks like right now in our world, at least in our culture. Um, people have no idea what love looks like. They think it looks like permissiveness. They think it looks like license. They think it looks like coddling. They think it looks like a whole bunch of things that are actually really destructive and therefore it's not love because love isn't destructive. Um, But I can look at this in a moment and I can ask myself a little different question. What's going to build better connection? What's going to make me make us able to draw closer together? What's going to build trust? What's going to build connection? What's going to build a build oneness? Like, And usually that provides clarity to help me understand what choice to make in those moments. If I'll just pull back from the emotion of the situation for a second and go, what am I really after? 
Am I after feeling justified and getting my righteous indignation out? Or am I after oneness? You know, I think I just want to touch on real quick before we wrap up too, is like, you know, we're talking, I think about conflict and oneness and connection and love and loving people and loving people does look like servanthood and it does look like laying down your life, but it also looks like speaking up when there is something going on and not just like, oh, I'm just going to let that go, let that go, let that go. Because what happens is over time, it actually builds up and right. breaks in a yeah. way that can't mm. be fixed sometimes right. or is way bigger than it needs to be. So especially our conflict avoiders out there, me being one of them, but like recognizing when things are like that you keep bumping up against some things with each other. And instead of just letting them go and letting that roll over, you know, just trying to wash it away or pretend it doesn't exist or just, you know, ignoring it over and over, that actually doesn't create unity and oneness. That yeah. actually creates more divide. Yes. And so it's actually more detrimental to your relationship to not bring it up, even though conflict doesn't seem like like i don't want that argument you know like i'll just be the doormat this is self-martyrdom i lay my life down for them well eventually you're going to get tired of that or it's going to hurt enough or you're going to build enough walls to get through it that it has effectively broken that connection and oneness right. so sometimes oneness really does look like actually standing up for bringing yourself. it up <laughs> standing yeah. up for yourself having the conversation and the conflict because once that's removed then the then the love can flow again and and you feel more valued you feel more important and you can love the other person well like that yeah. so um yeah, yeah. If, if you just like i'm just gonna empty myself and and i'm gonna lay down my life for this person like yes but that probably means you need to be willing to confront somebody which actually is harder than and and confront them in, in, kindness, in kindness and in love yeah. not just bashing them but to confront someone well is actually harder than to just wall off and self-protect. But obviously if you're walling off, then you're not connecting. Yeah. And so, you know, that's it, how the goal of oneness can actually yeah. shape how you have disagreements right. or arguments yeah. and just communication and life and all the rest. There's so much more here. I think maybe we'll need to do this on another day. Maybe that'll be our follow-up for next week. We'll see. We haven't, planned that out quite yet but um but i i know that that, we, that we've covered a lot of really good stuff and i'd love to hear your thoughts we'd love to hear your questions we'd love to have your feedback on this so whether you're listening now or later um just you know uh give give us a shout out of like how would this uh bring some change into your relationship or um, you know, which one of these, which bit of piece of the, all of what we've talked about this half hour, are you going to begin applying in your relationship and in your marriage? And we'd love to hear the testimonies over the next month or so as you and your spouse continue to press in on that together and uh, begin to see some more life flowing in your connection. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So let's just pray. I'll, I'll pray and uh, close us out here yes. for today. Sandy's saying definitely share more. Love this yes. topic. All yeah, right. Well. How to fight well. <laughs> well, it's the next one. <laughs> it is not just how to fight well. That was, I know. Yeah, we didn't get to any of the fun stuff on this, I feel like, <laughs> but like there's so much stuff. more. So, all right. All right. Yes.
Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your gift of marriage and oneness and unity. And Lord, I pray for every married couple out there listening and even those dating, Lord, that, that you are leading and guiding and giving vision towards oneness and unity, Lord, and the life and the joy and the pleasure and the greatness that flows from that. Daddy, I pray a special blessing over all marriages mm -hmm. that they truly would be protected and strengthened and healthy and joy-filled in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We uh, have enjoyed hanging out with you and we will see you again next week. Same time, same place. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.